You're listening to Fathoms, an Enneagram podcast, discovering our inner depths, one fathom at a time. Hey everyone, hope you're enjoying these bonus episodes we're releasing. Uh, We are still hard at work planning season four, but in the meantime, we wanted to release this conversation with Krista Harden, who is the podcast host of Enneagram and Marriage. We had a really fun time on her podcast and thought you would enjoy it too. So here's our conversation with Krista Harden. Guys, I'm so happy to have you on the Enneagram and Marriage podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. Uh, Thank you so much for having us. Yeah, thank you, Krista. Thanks, Krista. Thank you. As we were just talking before we got on, we were saying how we hope our audience here at Enneagram and Marriage will really discover, if you haven't already, the amazing Fathoms podcast guys. So tell us about yourself, you guys. Who wants to go first? I'll go first. Okay. (laughs) So uh, my name is Drew. I'm the only Drew of (laughs) Fathoms. (laughs) And that will become clear when the others introduce themselves. But yeah, so I live in Indiana. Uh, By day, I'm a college professor at a small school here in Indiana and do a lot of work writing, teaching, speaking, consulting on the Enneagram. And then hanging out with these guys when time allows. Yeah, yeah. And by night you are by night I'm a vigilante or No, I'm a I'm a husband and a father of five kids. So that mm. I have no no free time. <laughs> but it's okay. I, I love I love my family, but it, life is very full for sure. Awesome. Uh well my name is Seth Creekmore. I go by Creek for around most of my friends. It helps differentiate myself from the rest of the Seths in my life. And uh, I am in the podcast industry, not only as a co-host on a couple different shows, Fathoms, as well as the newly released Awareness to Action Enneagram podcast. And another one called Delusional Optimism. It's one that I just kind of found my way into. Uh, She's a clinical psychologist specializing in early childhood development. And that one's on pause right now, but it's still really great content that I mm-hmm. really am proud of. So that, and then I edit a bunch of other people's shows and coach them through starting a podcast. So I also do music. I also do many other things. I'm in self-employed and so I just, I'm just all over the place, having lots of fun, doing lots of different things. Mm, love it. Love it. Oh my gosh. So cool. I and this is uh, the other Seth, but we in our podcast we refer to me as Abram usually, which is you know obviously like Creek said just for clarity's sake. But I'm yeah I never know how to start with these mm-hmm. with you know describing myself. But I guess let's say you know I'm, I'm married, uh, been married for twelve years to an amazing woman. I'm a father of four kiddos, and one of them is the most brand new, uh, obviously, but the, uh, two months old. Um, mm-hmm. I'm a musician pastor, uh, create some content on the side from a Instagram account called Integrated Enneagram. I really like books and reading them. Mm-hmm. Difference there for me. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, I live in Nashville. And you know, if we're doing the, the type thing, I'll, I'll say my consciousness is preoccupied most with nineness <laughs> and transmitting it. Ah, okay. All right. I forgot to do that as well. Yeah, yes. so did I. Yeah, my bad. Um, yeah, I operate and respond and react out of the four space. Um, navigating 
a lot through different relationships and um, understanding group dynamics. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And then I, I lead with type three. I'll say it that way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let it be known. We're that feels more efficient, which is really on brand for me. So, Aww, yes yeah. It is. Oh, I love that. And I know you have a book too, right, Drew? That I know I read that book about a year yes. back. Yeah, I wrote a book called The Enneagram of Discernment. So it's been out for, let's see, a couple of years now. Yeah. Yeah, congrats. You guys have a lot of amazing projects going and a lot going behind the scenes too in the vigilante world. And (laughs) also it sounds like as far as just like with family and seasons of life, we're going to have a very rich conversation and work related to not just family, not just relationships, but I love this. And I also love how you guys just helped our audience to understand a different way to talk about the Enneagram. Because as you guys know, we only have time for so many conversations on any one podcast. And we get Mm -hmm. so bogged down by the marriage, wonderful topic that sometimes we forget to hold our Enneagram a little lighter. And so whenever I have guests on that are doing that so consciously, it's a great reminder for our listeners to to understand that you guys don't, not everybody who likes the Enneagram feels like they have to be this one type. How did you guys come to that? I don't know, Abram, do you you want to share the Russ quote? That kind of, I think. Uh, Yeah, I think I know the one you're saying. He's just, you are not a type, you have a type. Mm -hmm. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. That's Russ Hudson. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's yeah. especially in mind if you're using the Enneagram for, I think, you know, transformation, because you are not the collection of habits and patterns that you've identified with most of your life, you know, the water that you ended up swimming in without knowing it. Mm-hmm. So when you begin to realize you're not those things, you can become more than them. When we think about identity, uh, we tend to think of concrete nouns. If you take a step back, right, I, I would say I'm a musician, and that's a very concretized concept, right? Mm-hmm. But what, what led up to that identity is mm-hmm. lots of decisions and hours of practice mm-hmm. and pushing myself into a space that, in which I'm doing music perpetually. Mm-hmm. So to, to say that I am a four means that I have done lots of different actions that fit into this four box that is helpful to mm-hmm. kind of consolidate the idea of fourness instead of it being, well, this is me, I am a four. And um, I think holding that with a little bit more clarity of what identity is, more as a verb of, of a collective habitual actions instead of just a state of being is really mm-hmm. helpful. Mm-hmm. People are really missing out when they forget that or just didn't know that because maybe they were just introduced to the Enneagram. We know it's in some places gaining in popularity and a lot of people are just anxious to be typed by somebody. What type do you think Mm. I am? And so you're just reminding people you have a fluidity to you, which I love. Absolutely. Wow. Okay. So was this part of getting you guys into this developing Fathoms podcast? Oh, (laughs) Ooh, that would be a nice thought to think that we were that thoughtful about it. <laughs> so yes, absolutely. That's yeah. how it worked. That's how it worked. <laughs> now I think we I, I think we kind of you know uh Creek and I met each other because of Abram. <laughs> mm-hmm. And Abram and I have a long and sorted past and history that goes way <laughs> back, but had you know reconnected 
over mm-hmm. this common love of the Enneagram. And I think mm-hmm. as we, the three of us started talking, conversing, uh, we didn't actually hang out together, all three of us for quite a while, <laughs> but we realized that, that, you know, we wanted to explore some things together and a podcast seemed like a really good way to do it. And unbeknownst to us, COVID hit, right? Right. <laughs> and technology like the one we're using now made it quite, you know, feasible to continue the conversation, but then share it with others. That's so I don't think you're entirely far off. I mean, I, yes, we weren't completely unintentional, but there was something to recognizing the whole in the Enneagram community of holding space, but also being thoughtful and critical in, in how we're defining things and thinking about things. So bringing people to the table of different perspectives but being thoughtful in how we do that. Mm. Yeah. 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 Yeah, definitely. And I think, uh, you know, initially we gathered around, uh, you know, there are different schools of thought uh, on the Enneagram out there, right? And it's pretty easy to kind of moralize one. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we've found that people tend to do that. And we just wanted to, you know, we all have different uh, experiences with the Enneagram and how we came to it, but especially, you know, kind of one, at least one of my superpowers is to see the whole and bring all the options and I can get lost in that pretty quickly. But, but also we just wanted to figure out how can we help people understand that there is more to the Enneagram than the one way you've learned it. Right. So Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, just bringing a fuller, uh, healthier, clearer picture to how to work with the Enneagram. But, But I will name too, I was highly resistant more internally to to doing this than I think these two were. Uh, I don't I don't know if you guys remember that, but yeah. it probably felt like you're you're forcing me into it. You, you know, <laughs> pushing you off a cliff rather. When you say that, do you mean pushing you? Like, of course, you're like it was just it was a bit of a resistance, but we know that's like sort of the nineness of some of the space you're in. But did you maybe want to use the numbering system even more? Is that what you mean, Abram? Just around, simply around the idea of how do you communicate for an hour? <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. So it, it sounded more, idea. Yeah, yeah, it sounded more appealing with two other guys, but yeah. there's no way I would do this thing on my own. So it was, it was more, once we talked about it, once we started to make it a little bit more of a reality and including all of our voices, I think it was, yeah, I think it was more of a potential thing for me, but I've loved it, and I've and I've I'm, you know we're on a break right now, and there's a part of me that's sad about that, but we're 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 cultivating some new things. So yeah, oh, yeah. Stay tuned. Stay yes. tuned. Oh my gosh, yes! I really am excited to see that you guys are coming back and that you've lasted a while, which we now know podcasting is getting as popular as blogging. So even though it's been a few years for all of us here, we've been around for a while. (laughs) So Mm. it's exciting to be a bit of a vet and then coming up Mm -hmm. with a new idea. So I'm excited for those. I think that I love your podcast. I was telling them before we got on, particularly because you do really have a lot of meaty issues that you discuss. And as we're having this bigger conversation around Enneagram types, maybe not being quite so quite so strict with them, I'm reminded that some people really enjoy the typing also. Like there's going to be so many different Mm -hmm. interesting changes between people that some are like, 
yeah, I just want to be the one number. But what I think that we can test those people out a little bit here to say, if you're that listener who's like, I like to be my one number is to remember that our goal is to get outside of the box of our type, to enjoy the gifts of it, right? But not to fall into all the traps of it. So that makes me happy that you guys are allowing people that that permission to do that. One of my mantras in my Enneagram work is that type is the trailhead because Mm -hmm. uh, type is the place we start in our Mm -hmm. journey of growth and development Mm -hmm. and transformation. It doesn't mean that I will cease to be type three, but that's that's a really helpful knowing that that's where I start Mm -hmm. gives me all sorts of language, understanding, information to be able to grow and develop as someone who leads with type three. Mm -hmm. And, um, And so it's, my my personality type is really important. <laughs> so it's not that it's mm-hmm. inconsequential. It's actually very consequential, yeah. but um, it, it's not the whole thing, right? Mm-hmm. It's not um, it's not the entire story. And which is why I think we all love the Enneagram, all of us on yeah. here on this yeah. on this uh, episode, because it's such a dynamic tool, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I I think along the lines what you were saying, I through our podcast we've met some amazing people, got to talk to some amazing people. And one of those people that we've become really close to is Mario Sikora, um, who started Awareness to Action. And uh, at least for me, the the transition of holding my type looser started with some of his concepts of, again, it's foreness is more about how I'm, what I'm doing and less about who I am. Mm-hmm. And so it, it's not so much that we're resistant to saying I am a four. It's it's more remembering that we're more than our patterns and that we have the capacity to either use that muscle that we've grown over the years adaptively or maladaptively. Mm-hmm. We can use it to harm or we can use it to heal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if I could sum it up in my way, I, I like to just say that without awareness, our type is how we are apart from presence with awareness, our type is how we are a part of presence. Mm, That's cool. Yeah, you guys are bringing a bit more depth and positivity, but also a challenge to us in that to say Mm. like, you don't have to have this death sentence, this vice grip, but you also really do need to know the path so that you Mm. can have that trailhead to go on. And we've been lately in my inner circle or my collective group for those who are part of our membership, we've been doing some exercises, even visualizing being on a trailhead where we then head into our inner attachment work a little bit like family therapy systems, but on the inward realm. And so Mm -hmm. this attachment work on the interior is reminding us that we do step into ourselves with lots of different players in the Enneagram, maybe inside of us. And maybe it's something simpler like the, you know, the three parts of the Freudian understanding, or maybe it's a triad that you're like, oh, I noticed that I'm head, heart, and body or something. But what I'm noticing myself when I do these kinds of exercises is there's other players in the game sometimes, like a very loud six or a very punitive mm-hmm. one. And so it's so helpful to hear you guys echo that to say, you know, really be listening for what other pieces of yourself are at play, right? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. 
Well, I wanted to ask you guys about seasons. I would love to just get caught up mm -hmm. in that conversation all day because it's newer for our audience here. But but I really know that we're really, all of us in this fall moment, we talked about it before we got on, we're in a season of change. And each of us is a little bit different in that season. I noticed that, for instance, Drew, you have littles to a senior in high school. Mm -hmm. And, you know, somebody else is, you know, obviously I want you guys to share your stories, but tell us a little bit about some of the seasons of change that you guys are in. Oh boy. Well, since you mentioned, yeah, my kids, I could go first. Yeah. So we, yeah, we have five kids ranging in ages from 17 to seven. So three boys, mm -hmm. two girls. And so most of the time that feels like we're in all the seasons. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I've got kids in elementary school, middle school, or high, I have three high schoolers. Um, but I think the, the most substantive change or season of change that we we're in right now is preparing to kind of launch our oldest son into whatever's next after high school, you know, for him, that, yeah. uh, that will be college. And, you know, that's just, uh, that's our first time doing that. And even though I work at a university, it's a wholly different mm -hmm. thing to, you know, be a parent of a college kid. So, mm -hmm. so, so much of our time and energy and emotion is kind of focused on, you know, preparing him well, helping him navigate his decision for that. Mm -hmm. um, so, so that's big. And then also, we have more drivers now in our family, which is great and also terrifying. And yes. Yes. <laughs> so, our oldest, of course, has his license, and then we, our oldest daughter has her permit, and then our middle child's pretty close. You know, not too far from getting his. You know, and it's just, it's wild and. I think uh, parenting and just being in relationship with members of the family is just starting to look different in, in not in bad ways or good ways, just different ways, mm -hmm. right? Because they mm -hmm. have more independence and they're busier and mm -hmm. it's an interesting time <laughs> for us, for sure. Yeah. It is. You have to negotiate more. They'll leave. It's like, oh, yeah. oh you want to go to Starbucks? Okay, honey. You know, right, like, right. You're out the door and you're in therapy if I don't do it. No, I'm just joking. But I actually yeah. was just talking to a client about that this morning and she was like, she's a grandma now. And she was like, that's just how it is. She's like, I know my grandchild. He's in his senior year and this is just the way it works. Everybody tries to meet up with him because we know he's leaving. So I hear the heart of that. Like, you're like, this is wonderful and also awkward. And are you having yeah. a lot of emotions with that? Oh yeah, because you know we're in the year of lasts, right? Mm -hmm. And and so everything feels a little weightier in that way. And that's not for a, a guy who leads with type three. That's not a bad thing, you know, to experience. It's causing me to kind of be more in touch with my emotional self and yeah. savor, not just look ahead, right? Mm -hmm. um, which is what I'm more prone to do. So yeah. it, it's been good, but it is stretching for sure. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, yeah. So, so many feels. I will say, you know, along the kids thing as well, you know, my wife and I just welcomed our fourth kiddo and that's been a lot. <laughs> um, you, you named uh, this idea of family systems, which has been, I, I learned about that a couple of years ago and it's been so helpful, especially in the idea of seasons because for us, you know, like the idea of a new person coming into our system that's been already operating you know, it's been the way it has been for at least as 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 long as or as old as my uh, my two year, two and almost two and a half year old. You know, so 
this whole system needed to open up. And so people are, you know, you're getting to know your role in relation to other roles. And so now you're kind of questioning, well, how do I fit in this system now as, you know, things look a little bit different. So it's opened up like this, this more of a liminal space for us where things, I would say it moved us into a a brief season of uh, the way I've been languaging it is the difference between uh, complicated and complex so like complicated is confusing and it's like wires that are all mixed up and you really don't know what is going on there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's what it kind of felt like moving from uh, three to four for us. Four feels like 20 kids in our experience. Uh, what's that What's that comedian uh, that, that has the joke about oh, Jim your... Jim Gaffigan. Yeah, yes. yeah. Where you're, you have three, what's what's it like to have three kids moving into four? Well, you're you're swimming you're, you're swimming in an ocean with three kids, and somebody hands you a baby or something like that. <laughs> and that's definitely what that's definitely what it's felt for like for us. Wow. But it it feels, I would say, quicker than I was expecting that we're moving from that complicated experience into more complexity, mm-hmm. which is I would say a, a capacity to manage all of the responsibility. So it, whereas the wires were previously like this in the complicated yeah. experience, mm-hmm. it's more, I see all the wires and how they line up, mm-hmm. but it's a lot, but we're, we're managing it, you know, more so. But in that, I think also there was a way in which the roles that we were playing were more open to distinguish the difference between, do I want to keep playing only this role? Yeah. Uh, is, is that, have I confused this role from who I am? my identity, you know? So I think there's mm-hmm. some space in the liminal, in the liminality of it all that, that we get to ask the question is what, what else is here? What else am I? What else can we become uh, as a family, as also as individuals as a part of this system? So, mm-hmm. um, I, I, and this reminds me of the, the PDF that you sent us, the, you know, your stages. Uh, I think for us, is, this is like that immerse and glow 2.0. It feels like we're somewhere in the midst of those those areas. Mm. So mm-hmm. yeah, we're, we're in just a, a bigger season of change as a family unit, but it's been really beautiful as well for us. So mm. yeah. Mm. I'm so glad. And I'm glad that we can conceptualize together that all of those stages have ways of aligning together. And even I had a recent guest say, spouses go through those stages at different moments. One might be in the darkness, one might be in the immersion. But I like how you said, as a family system in general, we're basically immersing, doing our work. And we're mm-hmm. we're really coming out on the other side because we're remembering we're part of the system, but we also have other pieces of ourselves. And that helps even, Drew, as you go through this change of deep breath, what else is there for me next? What else does God yeah. have for mm-hmm. me? And it, it's comforting to know that each stage has something for you to do, some good work that will be fruitful. Sure. And yeah. Creek, tell us about you. Yeah, I have no kids nor a significant other. So <laughs> all good. my life is Except just like easy, us. constant, oh, and you no. know. <laughs> well, you said very busy. We heard that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so I recently went through a significant period of grief and mm-hmm. uh, been emerging out of that in the past few weeks. Sorry. And uh, the, I think coming out of that has been not only enlightening with seeing the capacity that I have mm-hmm. for difficult things, to see the work that I've done on a daily basis show itself in some significant ways, mm-hmm. knowing what I need to do to metabolize the emotions instead of being caught up with them, learning how mm-hmm. to 
give myself grace that I'm not going to be able to function at high, as high of a level as I'm used to functioning. And that's okay. Grief isn't on some level, just a sickness that I can't push away. The harder I push, the more I'm going to suffer. Mm. And really all you can do with grief is acknowledge that it's there and continue to do the things that you know how to do to continue to heal yourself. Mm. And so coming out of that, it's, it's both the, what I have capacity for acknowledging that and a lot of, especially, I mean, at my age, grand old 32 tomorrow, <laughs> actually, but that a lot of, a lot of people my age are, are married or are, have kids or mm-hmm. just doing a lot of like what you would expect people to be doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's a lot of redefining of relationships and I've had to learn how to be brave and have conversations mm-hmm. of like, Hey, this is shifted and we need to acknowledge that this is shifted. Mm-hmm. And so expectations need to shift. Yeah. And when we relate, it's going to have to be a little bit more planned perhaps. Mm-hmm. And just because we're not in constant connection doesn't mean that our relatedness has shifted. Um, and, and my, my value for this relationship has shifted. So that's, that's been a lot. Uh, it's just in this season of change, it's really about how do I continue to be more comfortable with being uncomfortable? Mm. Man, that's good work. And I hope you keep holding on to that because that's going to make your friendships so much deeper because mm. you guys can accept each other just where you're at versus trying to fit in the old boxes. And exactly. it's like, oh, any of us who relate to a friend in that space and thank you for being vulnerable on multiple levels, we long for that to happen where mm. you get the boundaries I'm setting and vice versa that you're not going to kick me out because I have kids. But yet, if we don't acknowledge the shift, we're going to definitely lose it. I think that's that's really neat. Yeah, thank you. It's intentional people I've ever met in my life. <laughs> awesome. Thank you. To put that out there. This is true. Yeah. I would concur. Wow. You guys have a big old love fest over here. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I was going to ask you that too about like, how do you guys stay intentional with work as well as hanging out as friends? Because I know that's hard and I know what you just said is true that you're busy, but do you occasionally just chat outside of podcast chat? I know it's probably a little bit of both. We do actually. Uh, I'll say, uh, I feel like Creek has been been pretty great at keeping us together in a lot of ways. Like mm-hmm. we use the app Marco Polo. Oh yeah. It's, and yeah, if for anybody that might not be familiar with that, it's just an app where it's like FaceTime, but you can go to watch the video whenever you know is convenient for you. Um so we we're often, you know, just checking in with each other on Marco Polo. Which yeah. is just more I like that more than a phone call because you know you can see people and how much communication is actually involved in seeing someone's face so but that's i would say that's one of the ways that we we've been pretty consistent yeah yeah it's difficult to get together all at once i mean not only are we all busy but Between i think the we try children yeah <laughs> <laughs> we, exactly. we try to get together at least once a year to talk about the next season and that's always just such a beautiful beautiful time oh. and the amount of conversations that just go <laughs> crazy That's off fun. off the record but yeah it's just it's just <laughs> wonderful wonderful conversations yeah um, mm-hmm. where we just get to hear each other's perspectives it's wonderful mm. man you guys are awesome what about 
as a person who identifies most as a seven, this question is hard for me to ask. I'm just going to be honest. It's hard because emotions are very hard. Uh, This whole month has been throwing my game off because I'm in the same season as Drew with my oldest in that age time period and driving and all that stuff. So like, anyway, I have to ask it. Tell us about the shadows. Tell us about something that you are... I know Creek said he's walking through some grief and I'd really like for our audience, whatever's comfortable for you to hear about when you're in this moment of shadows and these seasons are encroaching upon you and it's hard. I think this is really why I do this podcast is, you know, what shall we then do? So what are some tips you guys have that you maybe do, things you're trying out when you're hitting that space of vice or virtue? What can I choose? What are some ways that you try to walk through the shadows? I'm not going first. (laughs) (laughs) I can take a stab at it. Yeah. You know, for me, a lot of, you know, if we're getting specific with the Enneagram, my shadow, what's often brought me most into therapy over the years Mm-hmm. is this kind of this thing around significance for for the nine uh, and sort of projecting my own significance onto other people so that I don't have to bear the weight of it, mm-hmm. the weight of that responsibility of mm-hmm. what it means to be a fully embodied person with responsibilities and wants and my own needs and, and desires. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I, I, I just remember 10 months ago or so when we found out we were going to have a fourth child and it was not on purpose. Mm. That was, you know, that was like a, there's a, I'm sure you're familiar with a guy named Gurdjieff yeah. uh, who presented the Enneagram symbols in the, I think in the 50s and the West, uh, not as a typology system, but a system of process. But he, he had this uh, theory of shocks, uh, kind of any big relational life shock to your system. Yeah. And I remember this was, uh, thankfully, I just remember this kind of, that idea uh, coming to my my brain at this time and thinking, you know, I think there's a good chance that within this shock, there's some additional motivation and energy for cultivating some some potential. And I just knew that what it would look like to manage the amount of responsibility I could potentially have in nine months would be just overwhelming. Mm. And I knew that I might potentially lose myself uh, because we had a baby at the beginning of the pandemic. Mm. And I just remember that was incredibly painful and difficult. And I lost myself in that just of playing all the the roles and kind of not knowing where I especially fit in that, in that regard. But yeah, so it's, it's been, yeah, my, and my work has been, especially in the shadow stuff around like cultivating this healthier ego of more of a deflated one is the kind of shape of my ego has been instead of inflated, mm-hmm. if you will. And so it's been like more so individuating myself, increasing my ego strength so that I know that what harmony is, it's my part that also contributes to the whole. So there's a way in which maybe you've heard about like this premature Buddhahood for the for the nine. This way of like I'm just assuming I'm already all of it, but that's a way of like dismissing myself before uh, so that I don't you know cause waves or I just yeah. So all that said, like I a, a really important aspect cultivating 3.0 Seth, if you will, for me to manage the weight of responsibility was starting a morning routine. 10 months ago, where I have two hours of alone time, where I'm working to slowly over time, 
build this individuated, healthy version of me to maintain myself amidst all of the the, the level of responsibility that I have. So, mm. so for me, that's just you know attending to my my body, my heart, and my mind mm. for two hours before everybody else wakes up. And there's a way in which like I've I've cultivated this capacity to to manage what I know I would not be able to uh, a year ago. So I don't know if that answers your question, but there's I think there's a way in which nineness needs uh, routine and structure mm. in order to become embodied, but a consistent embodiment over and over and over to build something mm-hmm. substantial. So that's that's really what I've been doing uh, over the last 10 months or so when we found out we were going to have a fourth kiddo. And I feel like I'm running on all the cylinders, you know. I feel like I'm the healthiest version I've ever been and I'm there's I just have many moments in the last few months where I'm like, yeah, wow, a year ago me would be drowning right now and I feel great. I feel really like I'm pulling it off. This is amazing. Hmm. Yeah. Wow. And I can attest to seeing that transformation. Yeah. It's been it's been pretty wild. That is so encouraging for you to feel this first, of course, victimization of what the frick just happened. I'm having a fourth child. It's panic. It's sheer panic. And I'm speaking from an anxiety type. Um, <laughs> but it's it's there's a sense of despair that any human has when we feel like we're, like you said, with the Jim Gaffigan example. So just mm-hmm. for you to be able to rise up enough to take the courageous steps, to develop a routine, to embody yourself more, to see what it would look like. And I think it's it's a right now answer because this is what's working right now. And I think that that's beautiful for our listeners to hear that, you know, finding a new pattern for each season is absolutely necessary because mm-hmm. that's where the true hope comes in is knowing there are new steps to take new mercies every morning. So it's it's really cool for me to hear that you walk through that. And of course, we know when we walk through that fire, there are great joys on the other side awaiting. And that little person is going to be such a dear friend. And, and so I'm excited for you to come to your newest family member with an even stronger personality mm-hmm. yourself. You know, you're going to be the yeah. better dad for that person. Definitely. Wow. Definitely. Yeah. It's, it's been me putting my mask on, on you know, the airplane, if you will, not the, the COVID mask, but the, yeah. the yeah. oxygen mask first over and over and over and over and over. Yeah. Cause yeah. I, a year ago, me would have just, oh, I'll, I'll help the baby and I'm, I'm done. Yeah. You yeah. Know? <laughs> nine, watching a nine grow is like profound. I don't know another type that watching them grow is more profound. So I'm very excited mm. for you. That's that's awesome. And now you're yeah. like, well, what are the rest of us? Crap, no, <laughs> no trust yeah. me. We have all the love for every type. Um, but yeah. I just, yeah, that's a dramatic shift we see in nines. It's very big. Okay, so revolutionary, to, yeah, it really is. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, yeah. Th- this is you know the season I'm in with you know five very busy active kids, three of which are teenagers, has really confronted a lot of my own kind of threeness, to be quite honest, in some really challenging ways. Because I'm, I'm used to functioning at a pretty high, productive, successful level mm-hmm. where I can usually work and produce my way out of mm-hmm. any sort of bind that I find myself in. The, the problems that teenagers face <laughs> are not necessarily fixable, right? You know, they... And my teens are, they're doing really well. They're healthy. Mm -hmm. They're, uh, you know, they're doing really well, but they're teenagers, right? So they have, they're confronting, you know, things about kind of growing into adulthood that are really not mine to achieve for them or fix for them. And that, that 
type of shadow work for me has been, yeah, profoundly difficult, uh, mm-hmm. to be quite honest, because mm-hmm. it, it yet again, over and over every day reminds me that, you know, the old adage, you know, that I'm a human being, not a human doing, you know, mm-hmm. and, and I need to learn to be with my teens. It doesn't mean I don't parent in all, you know, all the traditional ways. Of course I do, but, you know, I, I can't fix everything for them. You know, I can't mm-hmm. solve everything for them. Mm-hmm. And uh, as a three, I, I want to be able to do that, you know, mm-hmm. and I can't. And so it it really does confront my own kind of, need for external validation, mm-hmm. you know, of the work that I do mm-hmm. uh, at home mm-hmm. and other spheres of life. Mm-hmm. And and so I think the way through that has been helpful is, yeah, to realize that those I care about the most, they're not projects. They are, you know, mm-hmm. they're relationships that are worthy of cultivating, irrespective of agendas, right? Mm-hmm. Other than just cultivating the relationship for what it is. Which is not always, you know, the orientation of the three. Uh, we are good at relationships, but we often have agendas with them, right? And yeah. and we prioritize our time and investment sometimes accordingly if left unchecked. So slowing down and investing in the people that matter most to me hmm. and kind of setting outcomes aside <laughs> sometimes is really good for me and has been really mm. good work for me, if that, if that makes sense. Mm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm sure every three listening can feel that or those with a major three part of them in this season of their life, because it's huge that you guys are huge heart people. I mean, hopefully everyone could hear that. I could see that and hear that. But like, I'm always reminded what a huge heart type threes are. The whole thing you just said about your season was about others and Mm -hmm. um, just caring for them so deeply that it hurts. Yeah. And so, you know, we hurt with you for that. And and that is just hard, but it is nice that you're trying to pay attention to it and you're being mindful of this is passing me by, slowing down is of essence. And then I noticed that the three often shifts to, you know, that sudden halt at the nine or particularly hands out that, oh my gosh, I'm anxious and I didn't realize. Do you have any tips for those who are trying to stop working so fast that they could maybe do for some self-soothing? Yeah, I think uh yeah, we we threes can learn a lot from our nine mm. uh, sisters and brothers in that mm. that because I I think the high the high level of work and pace mm. is often fueled by anxiety that threes don't see or recognize, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And to first recognize though that there's a lot of anxiety that's producing this for the three it's often am I valuable or worthy? Mm-hmm. I'm not sure that's anxiety inducing to me. I'm going to go produce value and worth wherever I go, right? Mm-hmm. And not, you know, that's not necessarily the nine's, you know, central question and that's to a three's benefit. I think the mm-hmm. ability to be in the midst of to slow down to yeah, and and to cultivate the art of, you know, relaxing, of resting (laughs) and learning that it's going to be okay if I do so. Mm. And it's not necessarily for the three that the to-do list isn't getting checked off, although that's what we think it is. It's more of an existential crisis. Mm. Like if I'm not pursuing these things, who am I, you Mm. know? Mm -hmm. And I think what the nines can show us is that I can be a calm, peaceful, 
at ease self <laughs> without having to do all those things. It's not that nines can't be productive. You know, Seth's doing, Abram's doing all sorts of things all the time, right? Um, but I do think they have that to teach us threes for sure. That's neat. Hmm. That's insightful for all of us to hear that the anxiety isn't just fed by the wonderment of how to self-soothe, but it's often fed by the existential crisis of who am I if I'm not doing? Yes, So right. it's nice for you to distinguish that for those of us who are trying to grow in that way. What is the first step in growth is learning what's your stumbling block here. So now that you know that, you've got some you've got some mental work going on, it sounds like, to say to yourself, like, you are more than this. Go ahead and take yeah. this time with your people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then hopefully when we come out of those states of, you know, caring for ourselves and slowing down, then we can make our choices to leverage our strengths, you know, and to use Craig's language adaptively, right? From mm-hmm. our type. So I can still be really productive and efficient and yeah. achievement oriented, but it's it's channeled in healthier directions, right? Yeah. And not just in all directions, which is mm. uh, left unchecked, kind of the default orientation of of the three. Yeah. 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 And you miss it all. So that's yeah. that year. Yeah. And thanks for just saying, yeah, this is a shadow. So people can give themselves permission to be thinking, what's my shadow right now? And how can I start moving into a pattern that would be healthier? Creek, tell us about what you've been walking through with shadows. Yeah. Uh, so the forest space is, is, is very much attached to um, the darkness, the shadow. And I think the thing that I that I've learned is is often mistaking darkness for depth yeah. and thinking that the most truest thing is the most darkest thing. Mm-hmm. That that can be partially true, mm-hmm. but that's not always true. I forget who said it, but something along the lines of, I am sad and everything is beautiful. Mm-hmm. And I think the, there's an addiction to shadow, to the darkness, Mm -hmm. but it becomes a part of my identity in a lot of ways. It becomes like, I am the one who is suffering. I am, Mm -hmm. um, but it's a, it's a way to avoid intimacy and avoid vulnerability Mm -hmm. is that if I can create enough separateness, if I can show how ugly I am, Mm -hmm. then, then I don't have to enter into that vulnerability. But at the same time, there's this desire, like someone saved me from Mm -hmm. all my darkness and dread and whatnot. And I think the, as I've, I'll share a couple of my practices in a moment, but as I've done the practices over the years, I've, I've realized that it's first, it was the obsession with the darkness and the shadow. And then it was an attempt to be rid of them and like, oh, I'll just do the opposite. I'll just ignore, try to ignore all the darkness and all the shadow. And that felt terrible as well. And I realized that in some ways it was it wasn't so much about solving the darkness as much as uh, it's it's allowing the shadows to show you how they dance and letting them be your guide instead of your enemy as soon as we create an antagonist there's a perpetuation of a fight mm-hmm. but until you see that really that fight that you're encountering is just yourself trying to get something in a way that isn't isn't helpful. Mm-hmm. Then all of a sudden you can open up to, oh, this isn't this isn't something I need to battle against. This is something I need to lean into. And I need to learn the steps so I can mm-hmm. correct them to a more a more joyous way of of being. And mm-hmm. 
saying joy just feels cheesy on some level, but it's, <laughs> it's like the deep peace joy, mm-hmm. right? Where it's like, wow, life is really crap right now, yeah. but wow, it's, it's also beautiful. Yeah. Um, and that's, I mean, in, in my recent season of grief, it, it was that tension contradiction of mm-hmm. I am, I have a lot of emotions in my body right now and my head feels tight and foggy. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, it made me so much more. It was, it was like all my nerves are on the outside of my body in both a good and bad way. I could just feel the aliveness of living. I felt closer to life in some way. Mm-hmm. And so learning, and, and that's, that's not, a, it's, it's not an easy process, but I think I'm just so grateful for the people, the support, two of them in this room mm-hmm. with me, um, as well as many other really wise and wonderful people that have given me tools and perspectives that have like really given me that ability to separate myself from my emotions um, and, and realize that emotions are feedback, not failure. Mm -hmm. And, and so some of those practices have, have just been implementing, like Seth was saying, a morning routine where I'm, I'm waking up immediately going outside Mm -hmm. and meditating for 15 minutes with a specific breath work pattern I really enjoy. Mm -hmm. And then from that, I mean, sometimes I'll go and read, I'll make coffee, um, creating that rhythm where it's all, it's all about practicing, just practicing rest. Mm -hmm. And then other things that are much more active, whether it's lifting weights or going on walks, going on hikes, I live up north, so it gets cold, mm-hmm. really cold and really snowy. And I, I purposefully go outside with just shorts on to experience mm-hmm. the intensity mm-hmm. and and practice how can I feel intensity without being consumed by it? Can I feel the sensation without attaching the story of I want to be warm? Mm-hmm. And it's it's not always successful, but it is it, it does exercise a muscle um, mm-hmm. that I found really, really helpful. And when I'm experiencing intense emotions is finding, oh, there's that sensation, being curious about it mm-hmm. and holding it softly and not letting it run me. Mm. Man, that's powerful. That's good that you're really trying to figure this out too. And, and I think we can hear that the way you're wrestling with it. You're not saying I've arrived or that this works every day and it's the perfect solution for Mm. top-notch joy. It's literally like I'm surviving. There are moments when I feel like I'm really who I'm supposed to be. And these are the practices that I want to keep doing so that I can have more of this full embodied living. Mm -hmm. And that's really encouraging for any of us who have a four to, Mm. and hopefully all of us do, to have this space with you of being alive, but not overtaken by the emotions. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's mm-hmm. that's that's not easy. And you're doing that in a season of grief. So mm-hmm. I'm happy that you have that rhythm in place. That's mm-hmm. yeah. so good. Good. And thanks Thank you. you guys for being there for him during this season. There's a lot of people who can't do grief very well. 
<laughs> yeah. And then a lot, as you guys know, who show up when you're in grief, who you never really knew cared about you. So you're like, oh, okay. And that's okay because some people can't handle it. Mm. But it's neat that your two guys here have been able to hold with you through this. Yeah. Wow. I want to talk about this all day. I know we can't <laughs> tell our listeners where they can find you for the future. We would love to connect them with you. This has been awesome. All right. So Fathoms and Enneagram podcast wherever you listen to podcasts and then we do we have a fledgling Instagram account that we <laughs> we will be <laughs> working on along with some other things i'm just being honest yeah yeah you can't do it all yeah but you yeah. guys actually do have some great Instagram accounts so i do want people to yeah. go through it. i'm putting it all in the show notes too yeah but, awesome great. you can follow us individually right we have oh, this yeah. is true Beth abram at uh, integrated enneagram i'm at creekmore music Drew is at Type Trail. Type Trail Enneagram. Yeah, Type Trail Enneagram. We're really great at promoting ourselves if you can. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, I like uh, being the hype girl for people. So you are getting promoted. <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, thank you guys so much. Thank you. Yeah, thanks thank for you. having us. It's a great conversation. Thanks. Thanks for listening to this episode of Fathoms, an Enneagram podcast. If you found this episode helpful in any way, consider sharing it with a friend or family member. We are so honored to be on this journey with you, discovering our inner depths, one fathom at a time. <laughs>